Welcome to episode 82 of Reliving the War and welcome to the 5th of May 1997. I'm sure you're sick of hearing this stuff but I finally moved into the new house. Lots to still do and I'm still moving things around but the PC is set up, I've got time to pump out another episode and so things are finally looking up. This is being recorded in a much bigger room than before and there isn't much in here at the moment except for the PC and another few bits and pieces, so I'll need to fix the room for better mic sound and all that shit, but we'll get there eventually. The streak lives and reliving the war continues on. So tonight Raw is live from Green Bay, Wisconsin while WCW Nitro is live from Lakeland, Florida. I should have mentioned this previously as it's kind of important. But Raw's War on the USA Network is now a weekly live show with a few tapings here and there throughout the year. And this is a good thing. What isn't a good thing is Nitro being 60 minutes again this week due to the NBA playoffs. So we'll check out the first hour of Raw before looking at WCW Nitro. Finally, just before we get started, the next video on the channel will look at In Your House A Cold Day in Hell. That's the next WWF pay-per-view on our timeline, so look out for that one hopefully later in the week, but again, there's no guarantees I'll have it available on Sunday. Anything could creep up until I get properly settled in, so please bear with me. Alright, that's enough bullshitting, let's get started with Monday Night Raw. A long recap video opens up Raw and it focuses on the Hart Foundation's successes from last week, from Owen Hart winning the IC belt to Steve Austin getting attacked to close out the show. We go to the arena and out comes the full Hart Foundation together for the very first time. Owen, Davey, Pillman, Nat Hart and Brett come down to the ring and we have the first ever Hart Foundation promo with the whole squad. Brett thanks all his fans in South Africa, Germany, England, all over the Middle East and in regards to the American wrestling fans, Brett quotes Shawn Michaels when he says, tough titty said the kitty, big tough tits HBK. Brett thanks Pillman for his inspiration last week, Brett congratulates Owen for winning the IC belt, the hitman thanks the bulldog for thrashing the undertaker, that didn't happen so let's say Brett thanked Davey for his incredible work in the deadly arts of chin lockery. And Brett thanks Jim the Anvil Neidhart for taking care of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Brett says Austin probably won't show up tonight because he, uh, he doesn't have the jam. I don't think he's got the, the jam. Austin isn't a jam up guy in the eyes of the hitman. But yeah, Austin is nothing but a rotten, stinking, gutless hyena and he got exactly what was coming to him last week. And Austin is just a... Uh, a broken up piece of pile of broken bones. He's just a broken up piece of pile of broken bones. Kicker be kicking. Brett doesn't hold back when he says he hates the American fans just as much as they hate him. And Brett says the fans are just jealous because the Hart Foundation has tag team gold, intercontinental gold and European gold. There's even gold in the anvil's teeth, apparently. And Brian Pillman lets everyone know the golden rule. Do unto others and enjoy it. Brett then calls the Hart Foundation the excellence of execution dream team. And because Steve Austin is gone, the hearts are going to target another American hero. And that hero is Shawn Michaels. Brett says it's time to unleash the lions on the boy toy. And the promo ends with Brett promising to wipe out HBK. 
Brett clearly said that Austin isn't around tonight, but then we get this graphic telling us that Stone Cold will face the Bulldog later on Raw. Jim Ross covers this up by saying Austin still hasn't arrived at the building. We then see Sean looking a little nervous backstage and we also see the Heart Foundation beginning their search for HBK backstage. Back in the arena, Ahmed Johnson's absolute banger of an entrance theme plays and out comes the Pearl River powerhouse, he must have forgot his gear this week. As soon as his opponent's music starts playing, Big Ahmed begins to laugh. Rockabilly makes his way down to the ring and he doesn't even get a chance to play guitar. Ahmed launches an early attack and Billy Boy goes down after a clothesline. Check out Ahmed's sick dance moves afterwards. As Ahmed continues his attack, Vince McMahon and Jim Ross remind us that Ahmed will run the gauntlet this week at In Your House. If Ahmed beats Savio Vega, Crush and Farouk, then the Nation of Domination will be abolished. McMahon then says that the gauntlet matches will be spaced out sporadically throughout the show, which wasn't the case at all, but it must have been the early plan. Farouk cuts a promo as Rockabilly begins a comeback. Farouk says Crush is going to show Ahmed how it's done a little later on because Farouk has found, quote, three of the biggest, baddest ghetto men. And later on Raw, Crush is going to run the gauntlet and beat all three. Can't wait to see these big bad dudes that Farouk brought in. Ahmed goes down with a sleeper and Billy Gunn does a little dancing. Honky Tonk Man creates a distraction. Rockabilly grabs the guitar, but Ahmed takes it away and Rockabilly gets whacked. The referee sees the attack, so Rockabilly picks up a DQ victory this week on Raw. Won't be long before he's main eventing WrestleMania. Poor match, let's move on. The Hart Foundation invade dressing room number two as they search for Shawn Michaels. They don't find HBK. Instead, they find Bob Holly and two job guys. I hope this isn't Farouk's big bad ghetto man. It looks like the hearts just infiltrated the jobber locker room. So bad are these jobbers, they got forced out of the prestigious dressing room one. Owen can be heard saying he's in the ladies locker room just before we go to commercial break. And when we come back, the hearts scope out dressing room one, but HBK is nowhere to be found. The WWF air another Ken Shamrock hype video, this one focuses on Ken's personal life. Todd Pettengill says that Ken ran away from home as a teenager but his life drastically changed when a guy who would eventually become Ken's father took him in and taught him how to use his fight skills. The WWF then don't even give the guy a name so let me introduce you to Bob Shamrock. At the age of 14, Ken was placed into Bob Shamrock's boys home and Bob ended up legally adopting Ken as his son. Ken would eventually change his name from Kilpatrick to Shamrock to honour Bob. Pettengild says Ken's own family life provides balance for the world's most dangerous man and Ken says because he didn't have a family growing up, his kids and his wife are now the most important thing to him. He doesn't fight for himself anymore, he fights for his family. Ken then says he challenged Mike Tyson because the question is always asked about who would win in a fight between the two. And that's it really, it's a pretty effective pre-tape here and Shamrock Wrestling Vader at In Your House was definitely intriguing at the time. Speaking of Vader, the big man had a match next on Raw against Goldust. Ken Shamrock came out to provide commentary. So does this mean that Goldust is going to lose to Vader on Raw? With the WWF hyping up Vader vs Shamrock, this would probably mean that Goldust is a sacrificial lamb tonight, which is kinda surprising. 
Well, Ken talks about getting in his zone this week and how he won't be pushed around at the pay-per-view. Vader entertains the masses by taking a seat on Goldust and performing a devastating chin lock. Vader also gets in Shamrock's face a little, and yeah, Goldust loses clean after taking a Vader bomb. After the match, Vader invites Shamrock into the ring and Ken obliges. The two roll around a little until Mankind comes in to help Vader, and then Goldust, the loser of the match, has to save Ken from a beatdown. I don't know about this. I think they could have worked this a little better and maybe have Ken save Goldust after a beatdown, but well, there you have it. It doesn't end there though, we just saw Goldust take a beating and the WWF then decide to air a video all about Dustin and Terry Reynolds. A near 5 minute sit down interview where Dustin opens up about his personal life. Although the timing is bad here, let's ignore the previous match for a moment and take a look at what Dustin says. Goldust talks about being the son of Dusty Rhodes and how eventually Dustin got tired of everyone asking about his dad. Dustin himself wanted some of the attention and he wanted people to ask about him and not always ask about Dusty. In the voiceover, Jim Ross says that Dustin could never step out of his dad's shadow during his early wrestling career and Dustin says his father's shoes were too big to fill. And this is where the WWF spin comes in. Ross says Dustin created the Goldust character so he could step away from the Rhodes name and become something new. Dustin, according to the WWF, created the Goldust gimmick himself. Dustin says he was afraid at first to show the character off, and his fears were met when fans would throw things at him, spit on him, take his wig off and throw it in his face, things like that. Goldust didn't get any respect at first, and Dustin even talks about Scott Hall refusing to work with him and how that hurt Dustin. Dustin then says that people refusing to work with him kinda lets him know how gay people and minorities must feel. Not sure who wrote that line, but that's what he said. Ross says the fans now accept Goldust and Dustin says it's great. He has a wonderful wife, a wonderful daughter, a wonderful character. He's happy he's taken the paint off to talk about the man Dustin Rhodes. Dustin doesn't know if he gained his dad's respect, but he hopes he did. He says he hasn't talked to the American Dream in two years, but Dustin says he loves his dad. This was a great interview no doubt, but I said months ago that the WWF done Dustin no favours when it came to the Goldust character and this seems like the final nail in the coffin. Early to mid 1996 Goldust was really something else but the characters slowly began losing what made him special. This interview takes Goldust completely away and this stuff about Dustin hoping to be accepted and Vince calling Dustin a courageous man afterwards, it's just a bit off. The WWF wanted Goldust to gain sympathy, that's what this was all about, but I'm not sure if they went about it the right way. It also feels like the WWF took shots at Scott Hall and Dusty Rhodes through this promo, and we'll see more next week apparently because there's going to be a part 2. The Heart Foundation listened to Shawn Michaels take a good long dump and they wait outside the men's toilets before launching an attack. Out comes the shit man himself and it ain't Shawn Michaels, the Heart Foundation realise their mistake, but they decide to beat up the poor guy anyway. I hope he wiped. Back in the arena, Crush gets ready to run the gauntlet against Farouk's big bad ghetto man. 
Out comes Big Bad Ghetto Man number one, and it's one of those guys from Dressing Room 2. Even Cagematch.net doesn't know who these guys are, but this is Adam Pearce back for more action on Raw, and he immediately gets pinned. Back to Dressing Room 2, you fucking jobber. Out comes Journeyman number two, and what the fuck is this guy wearing? No idea who this is, but he ruined his chances of coming back after performing this dazzling move right here. A hard punch puts this guy away and that's the last we heard of Big Bad Ghetto Man number 2. Or is it? Jobber number 3 runs down and great googly moogly, he's wearing a pair of tights on his head. Jobber number 3 pulls off a Pearl River plunge, so that explains why Ahmed wasn't in his usual gear earlier on. Actually, no it doesn't. It would make more sense for Ahmed not to wear the same pants he wore during his match, but fuck it. Crush gets pinned and that's the match over. Let's see if Ahmed is so smart later in the week on pay per view. The Hart Foundation are seen outside the arena running around looking for HBK. Yeah, Sean's totally hiding underneath that wheel arch, that makes perfect sense. And that's the end of our number one. Quite a lot going on this week on Raw so far, but the action in the ring hasn't been anything special. WCW Nitro opens up with Flair Piper and Kevin Green approaching the commentary table, but the NWO have a few surprise banners they want to show off. This pisses the baby faces off, no end. Tony Schiavone wants to know why Piper stalled last week when Flair was getting beat up by the Wolfpack, but Piper doesn't answer. The three men decide to head to the ring where NWO propaganda once again falls from the ceiling. Piper then says he thought Flair could take on all three NWO guys, and that's why he didn't help. And that's your explanation. I'm serious by the way, it's never mentioned again. JJ Dillon shows up and he says he knows Piper isn't happy about the NWO getting 75% of the gate at Slamboree, but there's nothing JJ or WCW can do about it. The NWO just have good contracts thanks to Eric Bischoff. Piper says he's still gonna show up no matter what the fight purse is, so yeah, totally pointless. Flair says he's going after 6 at Slamboree, Waltman must have touched a nerve with that Buddy Rogers comment a few weeks back and Kevin Green doesn't even get a chance to speak. Public Enemy's music begins playing in the arena, so it's time for our first Nitro match. Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock vs Hugh Morris and Conan. That's followed by Six vs Rey Mysterio, and over on Raw we have a Shawn Michaels interview. Yes, Shawn Michaels, the guy the Hart Foundation couldn't find for the past 50 minutes or so. Both the Public Enemy and the Dungeon of Doom bring tables to the ring for our opening Nitro match. Absolute chaos to start this one off with both teams fighting on the outside. Eventually Conan gets sandwiched between some stacked tables but Jimmy Hart comes to the rescue and Johnny Grunge takes a great looking bump. Conan and Morris then go after Rocco Rock inside the ropes but Alliance Salt keeps the Dungeon of Doomers at bay. Flyboy pays for this by taking a powerbomb immediately afterwards. Rocco then dodges what Tony Schiavone calls a lariat sandwich. Conan then gets set up on a table but Morris stops Rocco from jumping off the top and instead Rocco gets suplexed through the table and through Conan. Rocco gets pinned by Morris and the public enemy take a loss on Monday Nitro. A very quick match but the crowd went crazy for the table bumps. Our next Nitro match I was really looking forward to, Six vs Rey Mysterio, but unfortunately it doesn't get started. Check out Rey Mysterio shooting webs like Spider-Man though, what a guy. 
Six comes out with Hall and Nash and he isn't in his wrestling gear. The match starts and Waltman instantly goes for a Bronco Buster, but he gets kicked in his little six balls instead. Mysterio then hits both Nash and Hall with drop kicks, but this was a mistake. Nash distracts Mark Curtis and Hall hits the outsider's edge. Ray gets absolutely folded in half here. And Six then applies the buzzkiller for the win. Six won't let go of the hold. JJ Dillon comes out with Nick Patrick, but Patrick gets taken out. Eric Bischoff and members of the NWO then show up. Six keeps the buzzkiller applied as Bischoff tells Dylan to back off. Eric says Dylan has no stroke and there's nothing he can do. Six releases the hold and he tells JJ if he thinks he's gonna pull the same crap he pulled for Vince McMahon then he's got another thing coming. Nash tells JJ he had enough of him in New York and Dylan gets warned to stay out of the NWO's business. Dylan does absolutely nothing, he watches on as the NWO celebrate to end the match. Shawn Michaels has some incredible evasion skills, either that or the Heart Foundation are the worst hide and seek players of all time. Shawn says Steve Austin can't take on the Heart Foundation on his own, HBK can't promise he won't show up again and stick his nose in Austin's business, but HBK makes it clear he isn't helping Stone Cold. HBK is trying to hurt the Hart Foundation. Vince says the Hart Foundation is trying to find him right now, and Sean says he isn't a hard man to find. I mean, yeah, he's standing in the ring right now. HBK says the Hart Foundation runs in a pack, but the Click runs in a herd, and Sean says there's no faction more powerful than the Click. Sean then confirms that he's returning to action, and his return match will take place at the 1997 King of the Ring. The messy interview then goes back to the Hart Foundation and Bret Hart. Sean says Bret hates America but he doesn't hate earning those American dollars. Bret might not like a society that gives a guy like Homer Simpson iconic status, but Sean says this is the land of the free and home of the brave. If Bret doesn't like it, he shouldn't let the door hit him on the ass on the way out. Sean wraps it up by saying if he has to go through every member of the Hart Foundation to get to Bret, then that's exactly what he's gonna do and HBK will eventually tear Bret Hart to pieces. Bret and Brian Pullman then appear on the Titantron and Bret says Sean can make fun of the hitman all he wants, but he shouldn't make fun of the Simpsons. Sean takes his shirt off and Bret wonders if that's for the guys or for the girls. Bret then says he doesn't think there's anything wrong with Sean's knee. HBK has found his smile and he's been running around with steel chairs attacking the hearts so Sean should have no problem taking on Jim the Anvil Nightheart right now on Raw. Brett asks Sean twice if he, quote, has the jam to take on the Anvil. Jam was Brett's word of the week it seems. Out comes Jim and of course it's a trap. The Heart Foundation attacks Sean, the LOD come out wearing singlets, that's something you don't see too often, and the baby faces clear out the ring as Raw goes to commercial break. The promo itself was all over the place in terms of the question Sean was asked, but nothing else to complain about really. The question now though is who will Sean face at the King of the Ring? Check this out, Sean searches for the Hart Foundation backstage afterwards, and we have Ahmed Johnson sitting backstage, Sonny is there along with Vince Russo, Vader and Jim Cornette can be seen, and we also have Stone Cold Steve Austin. Remember JR said earlier they didn't know if Austin was gonna show up. Steve tries to quickly leave the room before the cameras catch him, but he isn't quick enough. 
Hulk Hogan cuts a promo on Nitro and we also have Steve Regal vs Ming, LOD take on Furnace and LaFawn over on Raw. So the Hulkster's back Jack, I wonder what wisdom he's about to bestow on us low life commoners. Hogan says the Wolfpack are going to take care of the NWO's dirty work and that means Piper Flair and Green are going down at Slamboree. As for Hogan, he's been making money and bang land. The crowd then begin to chant we want Sting and this throws Hulk off a little, but Hollywood ends up calling out the Stinger and he challenges the icon to a fight. When Sting doesn't show up, Hogan calls himself a god and the promo ends. Tony Schiavone reminds us that Lex Luger still has a title shot in the future against Hulk, and news just got back to WCW that Luger was hurt over in Japan thanks to the NWO, but the fans tonight definitely made their voices heard, they want to see Sting vs Hogan. Lex Luger's scheduled to appear later on in the Nitro main event. Steve Regal vs Ming is up next and Regal is high on the Ming Manly meter. Even dressing up as a showgirl in the future doesn't stop his lordship from being a real man's man. Ming vs Regal then, this should be good, no this should be excellent. They start off straight away throwing wild punches with Ming getting the upper hand, Regal isn't backing down at all and… motherfucker. Too shit to quit Kevin Sullivan shows up and the match instantly gets thrown out. This man is a hindrance to WCW programming as an on-screen talent. Regal ends up taking the Tongan death grip but in a show of pure manliness, Regal still tries to fight both guys off. Ming applies the death grip again, Jackie and Jimmy Hart try to stop Ming and that's how it ended. Chris Benoit didn't even bother showing up, it's pure domination from the Dungeon of Doom. I'm actually angry we didn't get to see a full blown match this week between Regal and Ming. So Furnace and LaFawn get another shot at Hawk and Animal this week. LaFawn starts things off with a spinning back kick but Hawk absorbs the follow up chops and LaFawn gets planted with a big boot and a clothesline to the back of the head. Animal and Doug Furnace get tagged in and Animal doesn't sell a clothesline but he does go down after a dropkick. He fires right back with a jumping shoulder tackle. Just before we go to commercial break, we go to split screen where Shawn Michaels has found the Heart Foundation but he's held back by officials. We come back and we get this awesome arena shot right here. Isn't it incredible how much Raw has changed over these past few months? Some things never change though as Animal has a deadly chin lock applied in the middle of the ring and just as Animal gets sent to the outside after Furnace breaks the hold, Jim Ross plugs the upcoming episode of La Femme Nikita by saying tonight's episode features a secret from Michael's past. You just know that Jim hasn't got the slightest fucking clue what that's supposed to mean. Phil LaFawn gets tagged in and as Animal takes a double suplex, Vince McMahon says the WWF are still hopeful that Steve Austin shows up tonight. Animal then hits an inverted atomic drop on LaFawn and Phil gives us a great Rick Rude sell job before Furnace gets tagged back in. He performs a beautiful dropkick before tagging back out and it's then announced that Hawk and Animal will get a rematch against Owen and Davey this week at In Your House. Animal takes out both Furnace and LaFawn, Hawk gets tagged in and just as Hawk was beginning to clean house, Davy Boy Smith shows up. Clearly he saw Animal perform the chin lock and he wanted to give the Road Warriors a few pointers. This distraction allows Owen Hart to snap Hawk's neck across the top rope and Furnace and LaFawn pick up a victory. Probably the best match of the week so far and that's really thanks to Furnace and LaFawn's in ring work. Good stuff here and a decent TV match, it's just a shame about the finish though.
The Undertaker cuts a promo on Raw next while WCW presents a DDP interview and an Alex Wright vs Jeff Jarrett match. Let's stick with Raw because this promo doesn't really last long. Just before that though, we see Brian Pullman and Jim Nadhart beating up Shawn Michaels while Brett watches on. And then Steve Austin shows up, he just made it to the arena. Seeing Pillman and Michaels fighting though made me think about a potential Flan Brian vs HBK match and how we never really got to see Brian wrestle at 100% in the WWF. It's sad to think that Brian passes away in just a few months time. But moving on, all night Vince McMahon has been talking about someone stealing the WWF championship belt. The Undertaker left the belt at his ass and someone had the balls to steal it away from the dead man. Ming works for WCW so I'm completely out of ideas. Taker says he's the World Wrestling Federation champion, the defender of the belt, the belt that belongs to the creatures of the night. Someone decided to steal the belt and whoever took it is playing a game they can't win. The thief will pay dearly by the end of the night. As for Steve Austin, Undertaker says he respects Austin's flame of fury, but it will be a cold day in hell before Austin becomes WWF champion. So we've got a little whodunit mystery tonight on Raw. Diamond Dallas Page comes out for an interview after WCW give us a short hype video for the master of the diamond cutter. And hey, Dallas recently got married while this video was in production. I know Dallas watches these videos, so congrats to DDP and his new wife Paige. Yeah, Paige Paige. Dallas says he worked in the nightclub business before becoming a wrestler and he's seen his fair share of fights, but at Spring Stampede, Dallas was involved in his toughest fight to date. DDP says that his match with the Macho Man at Spring Stampede was a defining moment for him. You define the moment or the moment defines you, and DDP defined Randy Savage in the Spring Stampede main event. Kimberly says that Randy Savage is trying to get into Dallas's head by saying she's obsessed with the Macho Madness. Randy has a one-track mind, but the traffic on it is very light. Great line, by the way. Randy shows up from the audience and he lets everyone know that Kimberly is telling lies. DDP's wife needs to stop calling Randy and stop obsessing over Randy. And DDP says he's got two words for the macho man. Sss, diamond cutter. The promo ends with Randy saying DDP's lucky the macho man is injured or he'd go down there right now and kick Dallas's ass. We then had an Alex Wright vs Jeff Jarrett match and I need to address something here. Someone commented that I don't show Alex dancing during these videos and this is a sin against humanity. Since I started reliving the war, Alex hasn't danced once. He does dance again and yes, I promise to show footage of Alex dancing every time he does so in the future. There's no reason not to show his awesome sick moves. And guess what, Alex danced during this match on Nitro, not even kidding. Deborah gets on the apron and Daz Wunderkin does his little dance like it's some sort of mating call. Double J takes advantage and Alex submits to the figure 4. The commentators talk about Alex getting a little nasty with Deborah by doing the dance. Heal Alex Wright is incoming guys. You want a dance, you're gonna get one. No sign of Big Mongo tonight, he must have been out conducting business of the horseman variety. We end this week's show with the British Bulldog vs Steve Austin on Raw and fuck Glacier vs Liz Mark Jr. We also have a Luger and Giant vs Harlem Heat match. 
So this is Liz Mark Jr's WCW TV debut and how unlucky is it that he has to face Glacier of all people? So while The Undertaker deals with a belt thief, Glacier's dealing with Mortison Wrath stealing his helmet. Frosty Balls comes out with no headgear, but this doesn't stop him from instantly hitting the cryonic kick and scoring a victory. I've said this before, we have fun with Glacier here on Reliving the War, but that superkick of his was glorious. He also worked against guys who could sell it really well. The lights go out and Mortis shows up. Glacier manages to turn it around pretty quickly, but then Wrath appears. Keep in mind, again, that Wrath still didn't have a name at this point. Wrath and Vandenberg watch Mortis get destroyed for what feels like an eternity, but Glacier eventually gets whipped into the big man and we see the death penalty, Wrath's version of the Sambo suplex. Mortis then hits the flatliner and Glacier gets his back destroyed with Mortis's staff. Larry Sabisco wonders why JJ Dillon doesn't come out to stop this, and I think that's because JJ Dillon doesn't really give a shit about our icy ninja friend. Glacier getting destroyed fills my heart with joy. Mortis and Wrath are my favourite guys in WCW. Next up, we were supposed to see Harlem Heat vs Giant Package, but the Giant announces that Luger isn't here tonight. He must be at home resting from that injury he received in Japan. Diamond Dallas Page comes out to team up with the Giant instead, but Randy Savage waits by the entranceway to lure in DDP. Dallas falls for it and he ends up getting attacked by Hollywood Hogan. Savage then grabs Kimberly. We don't know what happens to her though as the cameras go back to the ring where the NWO have invaded. Harlem Heat and the Giant get destroyed by the New World Order, and even though Flair Piper and Kevin Green try to help, the numbers are just too much. Bit weird that Michael Wall Street is in the ring helping the NWO after JJ Dillon said his NWO contract is null and void, but nonetheless, Hogan and Savage take over the commentary desk and they make fun of the NWO's victims as Nitro goes off the air. This week's Nitro was better structured than last week's. It's not a bad episode, but the matches inside the ring just weren't good. Davey Boy Smith vs Stone Cold Steve Austin then, the Chinlock vs the Stunner. Davey comes out of the curtain, but he says fuck that and he goes back. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened here, but Vince McMahon says this is the Bulldog playing mind games. 4D chess from Davey Boy Smith. Steve Austin gets a great ovation and he instantly goes on the offense. Davey gets attacked on the outside and Austin puts Bulldog on the mat with a clothesline inside the ropes. Austin then hits a suplex and he pulls this move off right here. It's not quite a chin lock saying as Davey's chin is fully exposed, but patience guys, patience. Austin applies a hammerlock and when the two men get back to their feet, they trade wrist locks. This continues until Austin pokes Davey in the eye, and then we go to commercial break. When we come back, Davey hits a back body drop. He then misses an elbow drop, but he maintains control by kicking Stone Cold in the cold stones. Erd Hebner lets the match play out, and there it is folks, we're back in business. Davey Boy Smith Chenlock Austin fights out, but a knee to the midsection puts Stone Cold back to the mat. As Davey screams at Austin and as Stone Cold takes a vertical suplex, Jim Ross says that Psycho Sid was scheduled to face Mankind this week at In Your House, but Sid still hasn't reappeared in the World Wrestling Federation. Someone is gonna step in for Psycho Sid, and Ross says whoever it is must be crazy. Davey Boy Smith, Chenlock. 
During the second chin lock, Davey says this. Fucking right, lad. Austin gets out and we see the Luthez press. Davey then pushes Stone Cold away when Austin goes for a sharpshooter. And... Davey Boy Smith chin lock. That's three. Let's see if we can make it to four. Austin gets out this time with a back suplex and we go to commercial break. We come back to see Austin counter the running power slam. Stone Cold then eventually hits the stunner and Bulldog gets pinned. Three chin locks in the main event of Raw isn't bad at all. I'll take it. Owen Hart and the Anvil hit the ring and Owen Hart has the Undertaker's WWF Championship. Brent Pillman and Bret Hart watch from the backstage area. The Legion of Doom come out to help Austin, but then Furnace and Lafon come out to go after the Road Warriors. Strangely, Owen and Phil Lafon begin fighting with each other, and even Jerry Lawler says on commentary that this is a little odd. HBK then hits the ring and he goes after the Anvil. The lights go out and The Undertaker shows up. The Deadman's here to reclaim the WWF Championship belt that was stolen by Owen Hart. Michaels uses the belt to clear the ring a little before leaving himself. The rest of the heels along with the Legion of Doom also leave the ring. And Steve Austin decides to lift the WWF Championship. Taker quickly snatches the belt away before laying it down on the mat. The two men square off to each other and we have a wild brawl inside and around the ring to end this episode of Raw. Austin and Undertaker beat the hell out of each other as the show fades to black and fans would need to tune into A Cold Day in Hell later in the week to see if Stone Cold could win the big one. A possible main event this week, but nothing special. I'm gonna go with Raw this week. Neither show was great, both were very average, but Raw had the best match with Furnace and Lafon versus the Legion of Doom, and the opening Heart Foundation promo was good also. Nitro was okay if you liked your NWO promos and your NWO run-ins, but the matches I wanted to see on WCW failed to deliver. Six vs Mysterio and Regal vs Ming just didn't get started. Raw now has 34 points, Nitro has 37, and we've had 11 ties. In the TV ratings, Raw scored a 2.8 and Nitro won with a 3.2. Thanks for watching guys and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Up next we have a cold day in hell and I'll get to work on that video as soon as possible. I'll try my best to get it out for Sunday. I would advise too that you watch the video as soon as it gets uploaded. I, along with other wrestling creators on YouTube, have been having some issues with the WWE coming after us and striking the videos down, so get on the Cold Day in Hell video as soon as possible. Videos are also uploaded on Patreon completely ad-free, so that's another platform you can catch the videos on, but my advice is to watch it on YouTube ASAP. Hitting the notification bell actually does make sense this time, so you know when the video goes live and you can watch before it potentially gets taken down, but that's your call. I'm looking forward to talking about a cold day in hell soon, and I hope you join me then. Thanks again for watching guys, and take care.